everyone. Welcome to week one of our Acts Plus Bible study. It's going to take just a couple minutes. I started a little early on purpose so folks have time to arrive and trickle in. I have time to set up and make sure I can see all of your comments, see all of our notes. I'm so excited to be here. We've really missed Bible studies um, during this last chunk of COVID. We really missed Bible studies. We love digging into scriptures. We love digging into life and we love being with you and talking with you and hearing what's going on in your own lives and being challenged by your fantastic questions. Um, we certainly miss doing them in person uh, with just our current reality. We can't quite figure out how to pull that off, but um, we love that we can do it this way. And we also love that I get to wear my slippers while I do this. Many more people are able to be part of it um, just because of the flexibility and the online setting. So we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're here. Let's see. Looks like we are up and rolling. And um, uh, if you are watching on the Facebook page, welcome you because of your facebook account have the ability to interact so um, we'd love to hear from you feel free to post comments as you go but even just right now if you're listening um, jump on there and post who you are and where you're watching from and what you're hoping for out of this bible study if you're watching on the website we're so glad that you're here there is no comment feature through the website but feel free to drop me an email with any questions Muriel at Unity Brookfield. Oh, Melanie's here. Hi, Melanie. Glad that you're here. Melanie, tell us how you're doing and what you're hoping to get out of this Bible study. Looks like there's a bunch of people here. Oh, how wonderful. Welcome, everyone. We'll get started in just a couple minutes. Just want to give people a chance to gather in and settle down. Um, so yes, tell us who you are and how you're doing and what you hope to get out of this study. And we'll get started in just a minute. Oh, how fun. We've so missed you all. Wonderful. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome to our Acts Plus Bible study. I'm Muriel. I'm one of the pastors here. Oh, Chris is here. Hi, Chris. Mary's with us. Hi, Mary. Great to have you guys here. All right. We've got a, quite a good crew here, so I think I think we'll get going. Hi, Susie. Oh, it's good to see you all, friends. I love that we get to do this this way. Bible study sounds great. Okay, let's do it. Well, my friends, this Bible study is called Acts Plus, and this is a Bible study out of Unity Lutheran Church here in lovely Brookfield, Wisconsin. I'm Muriel. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and all of you, whether you are joining on Facebook or on the website, whether you're joining, watching a video or you're listening to the podcast, whether you're part of this live or after the fact, welcome, welcome, welcome to all of you. We are glad that you are here and, um, we're glad that you're on the journey with us to learn about the life of faith. So Acts Plus is a seven week study. And it is based on some of our confirmation material, the program that we do with our seventh and eighth graders, one of our capstone programs at Unity. And um, X Plus is 
usually given to our confirmation students in their third trimester of their Bible year. So the Bible year, they have like eight to 10 weeks on the Old Testament, eight to 10 weeks on the Gospels, and then eight to 10 weeks of Acts Plus, which covers the rest of the New Testament. So the book of Acts, the epistles, that's what we call the letters, the book of Revelation, and then a couple Old Testament books that are kind of unique enough to deserve their own spotlight. So admittedly, I'm incredibly biased, but I, I truly think that Unity's confirmation program is absolutely top-notch, and um, it is incredibly in-depth. Um, it is incredibly grounded both in learning and intellect and in history, but also in how to live out the life of faith. And I, I think the material is fantastic and I'm delighted to be able to share it with you. Let's see who else is with us. Hi, Kim. Hi, Lori. Nancy's here. Debbie's here. Hello, all. If you're watching on Facebook, which gives you the ability to comment, jump in and tell us who you are and how you're doing and what you hope to get out of the study. Hello to everybody who's joining us on the website. Hello to everybody who's listening through the podcast. Uh, it's just great to all be together. Great to learn. Great to learn. Um, let's see. So just a little overview of the course. This week we are going to look at the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. Um, it, which is just a, such a diverse and powerful book. So I'm excited to do that. Next week we will have one more Old Testament book, the book of Job possibly my favorite book of the Bible. Totally different than any other book. Uh, after that, we're going to switch gears to the New Testament. We'll go through the book of Acts, and then we'll start working through the life of Paul and his ministry, and um, several of his letters will be woven in through that. And then we'll end with a week on controversy. There's a lot of different controversies that the early church faces that Paul helps them tackle and navigate. And boy, do those ever speak to us and where we're at today. So we're glad you are along for the ride, friends. Let's dive in the book of Psalms. And um, feel free to email me if you want like the notes to this. I'd be happy to send them out. Hi, artists. Glad you are here, my friend. All right, the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is uh, basically a hymnal. This is like the hymnal of uh, ancient Judaism. And the book of Psalms is different than every other book in the Bible. In all the other books of the Bible, it's like God is talking to us. Sometimes directly, most often through stories or letters or other people's words, but uh, the rest of the Bible is God guiding and speaking to us. The book of Psalms is the opposite. In the book of Psalms, we speak to God. And we don't just speak to God, um, but Psalms is like a huge collection of people praising God, pleading with God, cursing, whining, wheedling, whooping for joy to God. So in the sixth century, Jews in captivity sang the Psalms tearfully when they were in exile in Babylon. 500 years later, Jew Jesus and his disciples sang Psalms um, in the upper room during the Last Supper. Um, in early Christianity, Christians who were meeting in Rome in secret, they would begin their day by singing Psalm 73. They would close their day by singing Psalm 141. Martin Luther, who started our branch of Christianity, Martin Luther's public career began with a lecture on the Psalms. Um, 
the pilgrims coming to the new world in 1620 the pilgrims launched the mayflower by singing a psalm and guess what they did when they landed in the new world <laughs> they sang another one so the psalms are poems prayers songs and they are honest expressions of the thoughts and experiences and emotions of uh, king david a large part and many others as they sought to follow god so the psalms are intensely personal they are embarrassingly honest people are confused discouraged fall short they just have the whole spectrum of human emotion um in other words they're just like us they're just like us the psalms are incredibly relatable they kind of mirror life as it is it's like the whole drama of humanity in their pages and then somehow when you finish you end up trusting and praising a god who is your protector and your hope and your friend so that my friends is the psalms in a nutshell how's everybody doing everyone doing all right okay well, here's what we're going to cover tonight. First, I'm going to go over some basic background on the Psalms. Then we're going to cover different types of Psalms. And then we're going to talk about using the Psalms, both in the New Testament and a little bit in, in our lives. So here is a little bit of background on the Psalms. Uh, and Facebook friends, feel free to jump in at any point with questions, thoughts, favorite Psalms. Um, but let's talk about Psalms. So the Psalms are, the first thing we teach our confirmation students is how to find the book of Psalms. And here's the trick, all right? So if you have a Bible with you, if you try to open it to like the middle of your Bible, the very middle, there's a good chance you will end up in the Psalms. They're kind of right in the middle of the text. Um... Uh, partway through the Old Testament between the book of Job and the book of Proverbs. And um, like I said, they're like a hymnal. They're like this collection of songs for worshiping God. Does anyone know how many psalms there are in our Bible? Let's see if you can guess, or if you have a Bible app, you can take a look. Just trying to keep an eye on the comment thread in case anyone weighs in with a gold star for the answer. There are, anyone got it? There are 150, 150 Psalms in the Bible. And that word Psalm just originally means in the Hebrew, a song that is designed to be set like a poem that is designed to be set to, yes, Melanie, 150. Um, that's designed to be played to a stringed instrument. So these are all basically songs. They're kind of poems set to music. There's 150. We will talk further on tonight about there's a very intentional structure and layout to the book of Psalms. It's not at all random. It's very um, organized intentionally, kind of the way a hymnal is organized um, by different seasons of the year. Um, the Psalms have their own organization um, based on their various uses and authors. Speaking of authors, who wrote the book of Psalms? Uh, many, many people, but many of them, most of them are attributed to David. And um, we don't know for sure if they actually were, but I think um, there's a good chance that at least some of them were, and others are probably attributed to him in, in kind of his tradition and what he represents the Jewish people. So uh, well, what do we remember about David and who he is and what he means to Judaism? So he's the son of Jesse. Um, he is in the line of descendants that eventually goes down to Jesus. 
for us who are Christians, he starts, do you guys remember this story? He starts, he's a shepherd. Um, and then eventually he gets chosen by God and becomes um, king of Israel. And he um, is one of the few kings who was able to rule over the united monarchy. So for a long time, Israel was divided into two countries. And David is credited with the reunion of the countries and um, just a really brief period of independence. So if you read through the Old Testament, there's all kinds of sagas about David. He was certainly not perfect, many strengths and weaknesses. Um, boy, I would love to do a Bible study on him at some point. But for us, for our purposes, we need to know um, that he was a ruler and from humble origins um, and deeply connected to God. Others are attributed to Moses, um, and then 53 of them are anonymous. Um, there's a good chunk of them that we think were written by David's choir director. So that's another a prominent author. Um, so traditionally, mostly David, but really kind of a whole mix. They're very diverse. They're written over a span of about a thousand years. So they come from lots of different points within Israel's history. So uh, just a lot of diversity in these pages because there's a lot of them, 150, written by a lot of different people in a lot of different eras for a lot of different purposes. Um, and so this also leads to a diversity in the material because there's different theologies, different perspectives, different understandings of who God is and how God relates to us. Um, and then what that ends up giving to us is kind of a whole diversity of ways to pray. When we look at the Psalms, we see um, their most distinctive feature is that there is just a huge range of human experience that are expressed in these words. So um, true, honest, hard feelings are poured out. Um, Psalm 6, 6, I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes waste away because of grief. They grow weak because of all my enemies. So intense, intense sadness and despair. Other Psalms um, are for the acknowledgement of sins. Psalm 32, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And uh, many of these psalms were designed for use in corporate worship. Some are written kind of as call and response or to be recited together as a group. So various litanies of confession are in there. Um, others are very personal and express doubts and fears. One of the ones that we're most familiar with because it's used by Jesus in such a prominent place in his story is from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. That very real place of unanswered prayer. Um, others talk about how God steps in and saves us in times of trouble. Psalm 18, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help from his temple he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears many are psalms of praise i think those are often the ones we are most familiar with because we use them in our own services of worship as well 
Um, Psalm 8, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We're going to come back to that one at the end of our time. So you can see just um, a full expression of emotions. Some have intense anger. Some are incredibly graphic and violent. Um, there's many, many involved at the end um, and invocation for God to punish, smite, um, attack enemies. Um, one even talks about asking God to bash the heads of the enemy's babies against rocks. Like some of it is is so, so violent. Um, and I think uh, the takeaway for us is just that like God can take it all. Whatever we're bringing, God can take it. We don't need to worry that we're going to be too much to, for God to handle or... Um, that we need to kind of get our emotions or behavior in check before we approach God because we see in the Psalms people are just coming and bearing their souls with everything they have, the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, anytime you're learning about Psalms, oh my goodness, more people are with us. How wonderful. Hi, Linda. Oh, hi, Louise. Glad you guys are here. So let's talk about types of Psalms. Anytime you're learning about Psalms, um, People are always talking about how to categorize them into different types. And there, you know, there's no one way to categorize them there. Every different scholar has their own list of how they categorize it. Um, but I'll share one with you that's just kind of a really basic, helpful one. Um, and this list breaks it into five types of psalms. Um, the first are psalms of praise. Psalms of praise. So rejoicing and celebrating what God has done and who God is. Uh, the second kind are psalms of lament, um, calling out in times of grief, hardship, struggle. The third category is psalms of imprecation. Those are the ones where you're asking God to smite enemies, um, to bring victory, to back us up in a conflict. Um, the fourth category are psalms for special occasions. So there are various psalms that are written like for a procession, or for a time of confession, or for the time of offering, or for the start of worship, for uh, the coronation of a king, for the appointing of a various official, for the marking of a special holiday. Um, that would be a whole other category. Oh, and actually they list royal psalms, which would be um, psalms praising the king, blessing the king. Um, or, or sometimes they're, sometimes they're focused on the monarchy. Sometimes they're focused on the country as a whole, kind of national Psalms, um, celebrating and lifting up, um, their people of Israel and, um, celebrating God's role in the life of, of their people. So those, that's one way of categorizing five praise, lament, imprecation, special occasions, royal Psalms. And I wonder, I can probably type that into the chat somehow. I don't think I'll take the time to do that, but I'll tell you the list one more time. Praise, lament, imprecation, that's the smiting of enemies, special occasions, and royal psalms. So I'm not sure, there's usually a delay um, between when I speak and when Facebook picks it up. So I don't know how well it will work to have you all chime in. But let's give it a shot and see um, with, hey Roxy, let's give it a shot and see if I um, 
read a bit of a psalm if you can think about which kind it is. Praise, lament, smiting, special occasions, or royal psalms. Um, so if as I read a psalm, um, what kind do you think it is and which words and phrases help you figure that out? So let's see. I'm going to start with Psalm 34. Hmm. No, I'm going to start with 91. 91. Oh, there's so many good Psalms. We will, most of the other weeks, by the way, have like recommended reading. We didn't do an assignment for this first one, but go take a look at some Psalms and, and see if you can categorize which kind you think it is. All right. Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge, the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Now, what kind of psalm is that? A psalm of praise. Yes, indeed. And Debbie, with your Catholic roots, do you recognize the words of this psalm from perhaps a hymn that you might have heard once or twice or a thousand times. The words for Psalm 91, which is indeed a psalm of praise, um, are the words that uh, on eagle's wings, which is a really common, common hymn for funerals. Yeah, eagle's wings, you got it. All right, let's see, how about, how about 102? All right, I'll just real quick say the categories again. Psalm of praise, psalm of lament, psalm of imprecation, smiting the enemies, a special occasion, a royal psalm. All right, this one is, what did I say? Hmm, 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is stricken and withered like grass. I am too wasted to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I am like an owl of the wilderness, like a little owl of the waste places. 
I lie awake. I'm like a lonely bird on the housetop. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse, for I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink. Because of your indignation and anger, for you have lifted me up and thrown me aside. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Oof. Hi, Karen. Right, friends? What kind of psalm do we think this is? Praise? Not so much. How about lament? It's very much a song of lament. It is a cry for help. Now, that's an individual cry for help. Psalm 102. Um, I'm going to read another psalm of lament from 44. It's a little bit different. See if you can pick up which is different about this one. Let's see. They're just saying how we've always boasted in God and given thanks to God's name. And then it goes, Yet you have rejected us and abased us and have not gone out with our armies. You made us turn back from the foe and our enemies have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock. Excuse me, a laughingstock among the peoples. Okay, so this is also a lament and a cry for help. Um, but instead of being one individual, it's a community. So this is the entire nation. Um, and this is this like a, a theology around warfare is something that you see people struggling with throughout the Old Testament because initially in those early days people thought um, so Judaism and the roots of Judaism and Christianity were not monotheistic to begin with they focused on their one God but it, it was kind of the worldview was that every nation had their own corresponding God um, and events happening between the gods in the heavenly realms um, that corresponded with what was going on on earth. So if you, your nation's army goes out to fight another nation's army, um, it's like your, your two respective gods are fighting in the heavens. And the belief was that the superior god won. And so um, often, if you were defeated by another country, you would switch to worshiping their God because their God was more powerful. So you'd want to worship the most powerful God. Um, and so for the Israelites, there was a time when they, and really throughout most of their history, they were mostly on the losing side of, of most military endeavors. There's a couple places where they had small victories, a couple places where they were independent for a brief stretch, but they were so small and they were in between two seats of giant imperial powers. So mostly they were just like a side note getting creamed as empires were attacking each other. And so they as a people really had to wrestle with what does this mean uh, about our God and our relationship with that God if we are losing these wars. And so you see 
struggles with that throughout the book of Psalms. Um, there's also many Psalms that kind of focus on finding strength in God's own strength and, and, and worship. Psalms of worship there, I just gave away your category. Um, but let me, let me see if I can be a Psalm of worship. Um, maybe 97. These are the ones that we often most hear in worship, our worship services because they are, well, worshipful. Um, okay. Yes, yeah, check out this one. This is Psalm 97. The Lord is king. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds are thick darkness all around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his adversaries on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. How's that for powerful poetry? The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim God's righteousness and all the people behold God's glory. For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Light dawns for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. So you can hear them kind of wrestling and eventually settling on this theology of a God who is bigger than any one nation and beyond any of the kind of small paltry affairs of humans like day-to-day -day wars and all of that. So let's talk about the structure of Psalms for just a minute. Feel free to put any questions in that you might have. Um, but the book of Psalms is broken into five sections. Now for real Bible nerds, why do you think the um, designers of Psalms would break it into five? What else in the Old Testament comes in sets of five? There are five books in the Torah. Um, and so the book of Psalms was meant to complement the five books of Torah. Um, so the first book of Psalms is chapters 1 through 41. They're mostly personal. They're mostly identified with David. Um, and they use um, as the name for the Lord, the name Yahweh. Um, then 42 to 72, those are mostly national psalms. So talking in a collective level, talking about the nation of Israel. And God is usually referred to as Elohim, as God instead of Lord. So probably kind of a different uh, grouping of authors for that. Book 3, 73 to 89, that's the one that's attributed to David's choir master mostly. Um, Asaph is his name, also mostly national. Book 4 that's 90 to 106, and most of them don't have any attribution lines saying who they're from, um, but these are mostly designed for worship. So they they, they're different, they have different roles that they play, but you can tell that they're designed for communal worship together. Um, kind of like their, uh, I don't remember what the Lutherans call it, it's the Book of Worship in the United Church of Christ where I'm ordained, but, but the book that has like the different liturgies 
So this is like um, uh, book four is like their, their liturgical book. Um, book five is also mostly for worship, but instead of being specific to a, a certain type of liturgy, it's just general praise, praise and thanksgiving. Um, and then if you look at these books, so huge variety, like you've heard huge variety in what we've read together, right? Some are beautiful, some are violent, some are personal, some are collective, some are general, some are specific. Um, but each of these books within the book, at each of the five, at the break point between one book and the next, is a doxology, um, which is just a fancy word for blessing. And, and listen for just a moment, listen to the words of these doxologies and think about how these words, what it means for these words to be the frame through which we're meant to read the entire book of Psalms. Okay, hi Fonda. All right, here are the doxologies. Here's the end of Psalm 41. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. It's the end of book one, end of book two. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be God's glorious name forever. May God's glory fill the whole earth. Amen and amen. Uh, at the end of book three, blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And the end of 106, end of book four, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. So by using these doxologies as the brackets, it's like they want to say, yes, yes, the Psalms has the whole spectrum of human emotion, ups and downs, good, bad, ugly. And yes, that is a message to us that the Psalms invite our whole selves, our whole lives, remind us that God can take it all. But the Psalms are more than just honest. They're more than just space to throw out everything, um, everything, all those emotions, all the highs and lows. The Psalms create a container in which to hold our humanity and then give it back to us, reminding us that God is the container of blessing around all of it. So whichever of those blessings we're in, whether we're rejoicing or grieving or anger or afraid, we can have confidence that God's love is constant even through all of the venting. And that I trust that God can sort through all of this emotion, know our hearts, and take care of things. So in sum, God can take it, and God can take care of it. And no matter what's going, we end by saying, blessed be the Lord. Amen, and amen, and amen. So we are just about at time. Before we break up, I want to throw out just a few ways that we can use the Psalms. Um, before we get to even that, let me rewind just a, just a brief um, nugget on how the New Testament uses the Psalms. The Psalms are the most quoted book in the New Testament. 
So more than any other Old Testament book, Psalms is quoted most frequently. If you can think, if you're watching on Facebook and you can think of a time when a psalm is alluded to in the New Testament, throw it out there. Um, I'll start by listing one of the ones that we, you probably wouldn't know just by reading it. But like, for example, Psalms 113 to 118, those are songs of praise and thanksgiving that are used during the Seder, the Passover meal. Um, and so those psalms are probably the last songs that Jesus sang together with his disciples at the Last Supper. Anyone um, have other ideas on psalms that are quoted in the New Testament? I'll do just a couple for you. Um, we talked about it briefly earlier, but the I think the most famous one is Psalm 22 that Jesus quotes from on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, let's see. The other one quoted um, Romans quotes from Psalm 32. Let's see how quickly I can find these for you. I should have just typed them out. I think this is the one about forgiveness of sin. Psalm 32. Yes, Psalm 32 is a, a song about the joy of forgiveness. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Yes, Mary, yes. Mary remembered Jesus on the cross quoting the Psalms. Boy, what a time to be pulling from poems that convey the whole range of human emotion, huh? Yes, so um, that's one from Psalm 32, happy are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Um, that we then hear again in Romans. So we'll talk about Romans actually later in this study, but Romans being um, one of the letters that was definitely written by Paul and probably the last letter that he wrote has a very kind of in conclusion, last will and testament kind of sound to it. Um, and so a big summary of theology, and you can hear how much those early Christians were formed and informed by the Psalms. And here in Romans 4 is one example. Let's see, this is Romans 4 verses 6 to 8. Um, and they're talking about righteousness through faith, and they start talking about the example of Abraham, and then they say also David, remember Psalms traditionally attributed to David, also David speaks of the blessedness of those to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. And then they quote from Psalm 32, blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord will not reckon sin. Um, so, very much part of the fiber and fabric of our New Testament. Um, and then Psalm 78, verse 1, is one that Jesus ends up quoting in a less charged situation on the cross. Um, let's see, 78, 1. Um, Psalm 78 is a psalm about God's goodness and about Israel's ingratitude and like inability to listen 
So Psalm 78 starts, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter sayings of old. Um, and then Jesus says, I will speak in parables and they will not understand. And he says, um, those who have ears hear. So um, for sure, in an intense emotional moment like the cross, Jesus is drawing on the Psalms. And then also just in ordinary everyday life, this, these poems and songs are just part of the fabric of our being. And if um, any educators that we have listening to this, you know um, when something is set to music, uh, we ha uh, have a way of remembering it much more easily and for a much longer length of time. And so remember, these are mostly all set to music. And so these were very much, people also have were so much more able to memorize than we are right now. So all the word, when you're reading Psalms, these words were ingrained on the hearts and the ears um, of all of those early Christians that we will be talking about here in a couple of weeks. Hi, Celeste, glad you're here. All right, I think we better wrap up. And I'm gonna ask for one more uh, form of interaction from our Facebook folks. Uh, don't mean to leave all of you out who are listening to the podcast and who are watching on the website, um, but just wanna take advantage of the chat feature. So friends on Facebook, put into the chat, if you would, um, an adjective or two that describes God to you. What's a word that describes God? And you don't need to overthink it. It doesn't need to be amazing or brilliant. But uh, when you think about your faith, you think about God, throw out an adjective that describes God. Think of some of mine. Um, an adjective for God. I'll think for just a minute too. And any of you, wherever you are thinking, just... Um, this will be kind of a way to close in prayer, so also take a deep breath and kind of center yourself. Thank you to those of you who are putting them in. Adjectives to describe God, I'm thinking of my own as well. Thank you. These are all beautiful answers. All right, friends, as we get ready to close in prayer, just as a quick summary, unlike the other books of the Bible where God talks, if indirectly to us, the book of Psalms is our chance to talk to God. And so any time that we are able to spend in the book of Psalms, every minute that we spend in Psalms, is a minute where we get to practice talking to God. Um, because that doesn't always come easy or naturally. And so we have people who have been walking this road of faith for us for centuries. And thanks be to God, some of them centuries ago wrote down their own words of how they talk to God so that we don't have to start from scratch. We get to stand on their shoulders and walk in their footsteps. And we can talk to God with great honesty. We can talk to God with great openness. We can talk to God in moments of incredible sadness and in moments of incredible joy. And know that not only can God hear it, but that God's promises are like this container 
that can hold our lament and also guide us towards hope. And so as our closing prayer, we are going to recite the line from Psalm 8, and we're going to use all of our words to fill it in. O Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's the line. So if you're comfortable and in a space where you can, you can close your eyes and say it yourself. O Lord, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And now, using the Psalms as our guide for how to pray, we pray in your own words. O Lord, our God. How strong is your name in all the earth. O Lord our God, how powerful is your name in all the earth. O Lord our God, how loving is your name in all the earth. O Lord our God, how full of hope is your name in all the earth. O Lord our God, how compassionate, how merciful, how powerful, and how unconditionally loving is your name in all the earth. Amen. People of God, as we go from this place, may we, with every passing year, be more able to talk to God, more able both to be ourselves, be honest, and be drawn forward into the hope, strength, and love that is our legacy of people of faith and as readers of the Psalms. So glad that you've been here tonight. It's been delightful to have you. We will be back next Tuesday, uh, also at 8.30 p.m. Also, you can choose the Facebook page, the website, the podcast. Um, and next week, we'll be talking about the Book of Job. That's our one other Old Testament book we'll look at. And then after that, we will spend the next five weeks going through Acts and the epistles. So, so glad to have you on the journey. Homework for next week. week um, the book of Job is not that long, so if you are up for reading the whole thing, that would be fantastic. Hola, Mara. If you're up for reading the whole book of Job, go for it. Um, if time is short and you can only read some bits, then you should do the beginning, the end, and some snippet in the middle. So you'll for sure want to catch um, the first three chapters. Um, and the last five chapters. So chapters one through three, then chapters 38 and onward. Um, and then if you have time, read just a sampling from the middle. It's a fascinating book. It is um, an allegory that is the people of God wrestling with why bad things happen to good people and why there is suffering in the world. So we will be on that light and easy topic next week at 8.30. But for friends, for now, go in peace and may you know that the God of the Psalms goes before you, behind you, beside you, all around you, and within you. So go in peace. Thanks be to God. Good night, everyone. Thanks for being here.